<clears throat> so from the gift by Hafiz, <clears throat> reaching toward the millet fields. It was beautiful. It was so beautiful one night, we all began expecting to hear God speak. In the waves reaching toward the millet field, from the mouth of the hanging sky ornaments, groaning, croning in the light intimate codes, from the glance of plants and children playing with all the plants. Existence was so beautiful one night, we all began to expect one beloved would speak, our beloved. At the height of the wings of sense, there was stunned, trying to comprehend the divine through the tiny organic filters that were stunned in the glimpses of the reality of the thousand miraculous components of each one and each step. But we can't, we can't yet hear God whistle inside, so we weep. We will all weep in some way until we do, until we do hear him whistle and then speak. Just a reminder, I forgot to shut off my cell phone too, so. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess today, what? It's about chocolate, bunnies, eggs, ham, right? Is that what Easter is? I know you guys are expecting to talk about Easter, right? So, or are you? Well, without trying to sound too Christian or proselytizing here, maybe, maybe we'll approach the subject a little bit. You know, one of the things I want to share a little bit about today is that just to always remember that what we're doing here in Interlight Ministries really has nothing to do with metaphors or parables or stories whether it's the past or the present or the future, that really everything is about the living reality of that action of spirit. And the time, you know, I like to say Jesus got some of the best marketing or publicity out there, very well known. And that's really true because there are a lot of spiritual teachers who have always walked this planet. But why not use what's available, whether it be with Jesus or Moses or Lao Tzu or Kabir or St. Francis or any of them. Why not use what's available to really look to those sources of wisdom? But then begin to realize that even though these saints or teachers or mystics often share in what may sound like metaphors or parables, that in these sharings is a great truth. And even when a lot of their sharings sound somewhat mythological, that maybe in some of them, there's no metaphor or mythology, but it is their own direct living experience on their soul's journey from this world back into the kingdom of God. And that's important to pay attention to because I know from my own experience that a lot of what is shared often is a very divine truth but when we don't understand it, or shall I say the mind of man in general may not understand the true action of spirit, they, we often will take these storylines or mythologies and begin to physicalize them, making them always about a physical experience when most of what is shared by a true teacher of this path of loving 
is not about the physical. It's about the inner journey of the soul's awakening. Not about giving eternal life to this body. Not about resurrecting the body. But it's about the resurrection of the soul. The whole storyline, even the symbology of even Jesus on the cross, even at that time, what is that really about? Well, wasn't it the body? Can't lift my arm too high yet for my shoulder surgery. It was the body that was nailed on the cross. What is that symbolic of? That was the body consciousness, the ego consciousness. And in this path of the soul's journey of awakening, it is often that we need to sacrifice the body. And that's a lot of the symbology there even in the cross with Jesus, was the sacrifice. In other words, what do we often say here in Interlight Ministries? To let go of all of our physical attachments. And when I say physical, I don't mean just the physical body. Anything having to do with the physical nature, that includes the imagination, the emotions, the mind, the ego, the personality, the subconscious, the unconscious, and any other level you want to speak of that is not that true, divine, living, loving presence of spirit. So it really is putting all that on the cross. And ultimately, it is the surrender I often don't even like to use the word sacrifice because often we associate that with something with pain, right? Like getting nailed to the cross. Yeah, it's painful. And often it is in this world, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional pain. There's always suffering associated with it. And unfortunately, or fortunately, because maybe sometimes pain, maybe it's not unfortunate. Maybe that's a great motivator that through the pain we're finally willing to let go because if there's no pain, we say, ah, oh, what the heck, it's not so bad. Maybe it's kind of nice. We like it. So we stay attached. But I don't know if anybody really likes pain. So when we feel that or experience it in one form or another, we often want, want to get away from it. So we want to let go of the experience that creates the pain. Not only the pain itself, but eventually we become smart enough, or should I say aware enough, that often that pain is created by some type of action. So we begin to look beyond the pain and at the cause. And so we begin to see what we can do to even eliminate the cause of the pain. Or once we experience pain and we learn from that, we'll look back and say, okay, I don't want to do that again. So even if you can't eliminate the cause from that particular circumstance, that you'll keep your eyes open in the future so that it doesn't come about again. So what are we doing? Learning by experience. Just a simple process of learning by experience. And some learning is enjoyable, pleasurable. But it's always the painful ones that seem to get most of our attention that seems to shake us awake where we seem to learn more when it's painful. And I imagine being nailed to cross physically really would be an eye-opener in that way. But if we can really begin to go beyond the physical circumstances and really look at the greater symbology and all that, what happens you know, after that? Okay, so there's a death of some kind. And then that body is laid in a tomb, right? Well, the true tomb is not some grave, whether it's in a cave or in the ground. The true tomb is just this physical body itself. 
the real cave, that if we look back at the story of Jesus in that way, is this physical body. Think about it. There's no life in this body without the soul. It's a lifeless cave. It's dark. It's empty. It's a soul that brings life. It's a soul that brings the light to this body that wakes it up in that way. So even in the story of Jesus being placed in the cave where his body lay, we can think of that as a soul really coming into this physical consciousness into the cave. And in the cave, yeah, some caves are shallow, some caves are deep. There's a lot we can experience, but we often don't know because it's so dark. And that's what this journey is in this world, in this body. It's a journey of unknowing through the darkness, right? But it's so funny because it's the soul that is the light. And in the light we can see, or what? Have awareness. That's the simplicity, really, of all this. The soul's journey is simply one of experience, and it's through the light of our own soul that we see and have the experience. But then when we die, does the light go out? No, but that's part of the fear. Fear of the unknown. We don't often know what happens when the lights go out. But it's not the light going out. It is simply the soul removing itself out of that level of consciousness. So as the body dies, all it is is the soul removing itself out of the physical consciousness. Lights out. But that light that we are continues on to light up some other realm, some other level of consciousness. There's not just a physical body. You know in here we talk about the different levels. There's the astral body, there's the causal body, the mental body, the etheric body, and the soul body. And it's that soul body that gives light to all these other bodies or vehicle or she's in which the soul incarnates into. You want to talk about reincarnation? It's not only the physical level, but we have experience after experience through all these realms. The soul is incarnating through all these bodies, having experience through all these realms of consciousness. And it is an amazing journey if you get to witness ever. And you will, if you haven't already, beyond the physical, the other kingdoms, the other universes. I know lately we haven't been talking that much about out-of-body travel or spiritual experience. We've been spending a lot of time speaking of the inner kingdom because that's where a lot of our personal work is to be done in our own inner kingdom, dealing with our own thoughts, dealing with our own emotions, dealing with all of our fantasies and illusions, and dealing with all of our physical circumstances. So we're always talking about loving and accepting and forgiving, that wonderful acronym, LAF, laugh. It helps to have a good laugh through loving, accepting, and forgiving, to deal with all of our personal circumstances, to get beyond all the challenges, the problems, the stressors in life. And so that acronym, those keys, those tools of LAF are what can assist us in doing that. But remember, that's just the journey here, just through our own inner kingdom, our own personal consciousness. But then there's that greater journey where the keys to the kingdom, the keys to the spiritual kingdom beyond this physical body, 
In this true pathway we're doing in Inner Light Ministries is path of sound and light. The journey begins right here. But we've got all this to walk within ourselves just to get to the beginning point of the true spiritual journey beyond the physical body. That sacred name we chant, as Jesus called it, the keys to the kingdom. Those names, those keys are what open those other doors of consciousness through the different realms by which the soul can travel and journey to have experience beyond this physical kingdom. That's the greater journey that we as a soul are on. And that's what the meditation practice is. And it is through that action, just as Jesus was teaching them that we're teaching today, that has been taught way long before Jesus and will be way long after all of us here, will be that same journey. Those keys that open the door, those keys that remove the tombstone. I just mentioned earlier about a meditation about opening the door and keeping it open. Well, that tombstone has a door. We often call it the seat of the soul or the spiritual eye. Rumi called it in a lot of his poetry the door, the door that is round, the door that is open. There's always that reference point up here, the spiritual eye, that doorway by which the soul comes into this physical body in that doorway by which the soul leaves. So the story of the resurrection, in truth, is not about the physical body. Whether or not that actually happened, I don't know. I don't remember. I don't know who really does. But I do know the greater truth, that it is about the soul, not Jesus, the body, but the soul, the Christ. The Christ is every single one of us the Christ is simply the soul that is awakened. Not Jesus the Christ. He was called that because he was an awakened soul. But any soul that is awakened to its own divinity and knows the truth of who it is, is a Christed soul. And that's what we call that. One who is awakened to the knowing of their own divine, living, loving essence. And when that day comes, that stone is rolled back the soul is resurrected, leaves the tomb, and begins the greater journey, the ascension. And that's the greater pathway we're doing in meditation here, is that action of ascension. Up until then, we are, in a sense, being laid on the cross, going through the resurrection. But the glory, so to speak, or the happy days, whatever you want to call them, is truly the ascension now where the soul is liberated of the physical consciousness and those sacred names that we chant or sing within is the loving that draws the soul out of the body and into and through all these different realms of spirit. That's why we call it a pathway or a river of loving. It is a stream of consciousness, the straight and narrow. All these references are the same thing. It's good to know that so we don't get hung up on any one author or any one book or any one religion, but they all reference the same just in different ways at different times to the group, the culture that they were speaking of. But to realize the true journey through it all, the inner truth that exists through all of it, it is about that ascension now where the soul begins to transcend these physical states of consciousness and really returns to the Father or the Creator or the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, the Godhead, 
all these references. The great fountain of youth. Oh, the fountain of youth. That's right. The child of God. The elixir of life. All these references are referring to the same source, the same action. But if we can begin to recognize the truth in all the symbology, the truth in all the mythology, the truth in all the metaphors, sometimes it's referred to as solving the mysteries of life. There's so many groups out there now with all the symbology out there and all the Dan Brown stuff. It's wonderful because I think it's getting people to look at what all this really is. But yet the mind is always, it always has been, trying to figure out what does this really mean? Is it real? Is it mythology? That's why I'm using that word so much, mythology and metaphors, because that's what the mind always thinks it is because that truth of spirit is never real to the mind. It only knows itself. That's all the truth there is, is just to itself. So to be able to wake up and really know the truth of spirit, well, there is that action now of sacrificing or letting go of the mental belief, the constructs, all that the mind does to entrap the soul to believe what it believes. You know, so much is talked about trust and faith. Well, on this pathway, we want to begin to move beyond trust, beyond faith, beyond hope, and into true living experience so that we know through our own personal experience, not because I or anybody say so, but through our own personal experience that we know the truth of what this pathway really is. So sure, all the storylines, the talks, the explanations, they help. Maybe they plant a seed or create a little spark or an inspiration or at the very least, hopefully, an encouragement to take action because that's the real key here is the taking action or the application of the technique, the principles that we can begin to move into our own living experience. So this just isn't a sermon, but it's more like a how-to course or manual that we get an understanding of what we're doing here so that we're what? Not walking blindly. It's not the blind leading the blind or any of that kind of stuff. It is the sharing of a truth, of divine knowledge, of knowing this journey so that we can each come to know it for ourselves. Nobody's better than or less than. The soul's equal. The souls are all one. And it's simply that oneness that we're looking to return, to once again ascend, transcend, resurrect from, out of all this illusion, the dross that the mind has created to trick, trick or treat. Well, it's not that time of year yet. I guess we've got a little ways to go. Maybe it all goes together. The trick is the mind. The treat is the soul. But remember, it's what we do inside of ourselves that makes the difference. It's what we do within that is the key to begin to decipher the mystery, is the key to begin to see beyond the trick, beyond the illusion, to see really what's there, the, the facades in life, 
where we begin to see the truth of life itself beyond the facades. We can always remember that, even here in the physical. You know how they say the eyes are the windows to the soul? Well, why don't we look more for the soul, even here with each other, rather than looking at appearances of the physical, or looking at people's emotional states, or looking at their mental states and what their belief systems are, what their opinions are? I like to always say it's like gravity. All that stuff is always pulling us down. So our focus is always focused on the down and out. That's why it takes a little bit of effort and action on our part to begin to lift our focus up higher beyond all of that and into the spirit to really use the eyes as the windows of the soul. But in order to really see through these eyes that spirit of loving, we need to open this eye to let that loving in where we can begin to perceive that greater truth beyond all the illusion, beyond all the masks and the facades. The funny thing is, it's not hard. That is the funny thing. That is such a simple action, but we don't believe it is. We think it's going to take forever. We don't think it's possible. We don't think we're worthy. We fear the action. We judge it. We judge ourselves. We judge others. So there's all this stuff. That's what we came up with during the retreat, by the way. We're going to replace the word karma with stuff. So all of our stuff, the laws of stuff and reincarnation instead of karma now. We see all this stuff. And it does pull on us. It does call us. It does attract us. It's like a magnet. It pulls us, and some of the magnet repulses as well. But it's still a magnetic force that gets us to move about in life from one thing to another, being attracted to some things, being repulsed by others. So when it's ever that magnetic force, pay attention, because this is part of the journey of awakening, is to pay attention and even wake up, not only to spirit, but those forces of the world that run us here. Because if we're not even aware of that, well, you know that phrase, ignorance is bliss? Not necessarily. Because if you're allowing these other forces to, in a sense, run you, you get what goes with it. It's often called the pleasure-pain principle. Yeah, you're going to have some pleasure, but you're going to have a lot of pain along the way, too. So we're ever back and forth, the pleasure and pain. Just like Jesus again, right? I'm sure he had the pain there getting nailed to the cross but then he had the wonderful pleasure of the resurrection but then the ascension is that middle way that straight and narrow that place we call the path of neutrality where there is no positive or negative charge the magnetic polarities pushing us or pulling us around but we begin to live in that middle way of unconditional loving and that's where the freedom is we hear about freedom of choice well, in karma and magnetic polarity, there's not a freedom at all. So we're always looking to the psychics and astrology and this and that to get guidance in our lives. That's dealing with polarity and karma. And a lot of that's very accurate or true on those levels. But once you get in that neutrality and you begin to rise above all the polarity of where the karmas are, well, guess what? You're in a different territory. 
you begin to live a different life that is not run so much by all the push and the pull of the karmas of the world. When you, the soul, begin to rise above or ascend and live in that greater freedom of spirit, is where you get now the greater freedom of choice to truly choose now that which you would like to participate in your life. But to be able to do that, we've got to go to that place where that freedom and neutrality exists. And it does not exist in this world. It exists... Well, let me rephrase that. It does exist in this world, right here. The soul, you, you that are existing here, is the neutral, is the loving, that has simply gotten caught up in the polarity. But that's why all we have to do is return back to the soul that is neutral, and there's the freedom. But in truth, when we get there, we're not in the world. Even though we may even be in the physical body, say, what do you mean I'm not in the world? I'm right here listening to you right now, seeing you right now. Yeah, but where are you living? Are you living in the spirit, even though you may appear to be in the physical world? Or are you living in the mind, the emotions, and the body? Is that making sense? It's where you are living right here and now in any moment of whether you're living in the world or living in the spirit. Because in truth, it is the spirit that is really living and experiencing all this anyway. And all we're doing is coming back to that divine center. And it takes time. We've been on a long journey of the down and out. And it takes time to remove ourselves from that and now live more the inwards and upwards to come to even know what that neutral place of unconditional loving is that is free of all the judgments and fears and conditions of this physical material universe. To live in that place of freedom, to have freedom of choice. And it's really funny because when we really begin to wake up to the knowing of who we are as a divine, living, loving presence that is neutral with no conditions and to live in that freedom, we actually begin to now choose spirit over all that which is the world. Because we know that with the world simply comes conditions, restriction, entrapment, illusion, pain, suffering. Been there, done that. Don't want to do it anymore. So we begin to choose more of the divine. Because when we see the divine in its greater fullness, believe me, you don't want anything more or anything less. So this pathway really is the pathway of ascension. But along the way, we're going to be crucified. We're going to resurrect. And we're going to ascend. And funny, a nice three-step program. Kind of beats the 12-step program, right? Simplicity. Simplicity. So realize, even in these storylines such as here at Easter. There's a lot of others. I'm only picking on this one right now. To begin to really look at the truth behind that. 
not as just a wonderful metaphor celebrating Jesus. But what do they say? What's the best teacher? A life of example. So any life that gives us the example of the truth of the divine and living that is a great life to look at as an education, as an inspiration, as an encouragement that hopefully maybe gets us taking some action rather than just going to church on Sunday and that's it. Oh, that was a nice sermon. Okay. That's why we don't even call these gatherings sermons. We call these, what, Sunday class. What do you do in class? You learn about something. The difference is in here, we don't give you homework. We just share, and then it's up to you to choose what you want to learn about, but then for you to do the homework, to take action. Work, it's action. But it's not hard work. That's why you keep hearing us say, simplicity, simplicity. Well, that sounds easy. In truth, it is. The hard part is getting through all the stuff. But I'll give you a, a simple little key to it all. Just like any homework, think about it. The more time you take with it, what? You usually get to know the subject better, right? Same thing here. The more time you take in meditation, though, is where the simplicity is. Because it's in the meditation that we practice or do the loving. That in that alone is how you free the soul. You don't get rid of karma or your stuff. You simply ascend or rise above it. And it's the action of meditation that gets us to rise above. Otherwise, you're just digging. Just digging all the time. Just digging. Where's all that stuff go when you dig? Well, you're throwing it somewhere else, right? Should I just create another mesh for later? Why bother? Why not just lift up above it all? That's the simplicity. That's the easy way. It's the fast track, too. But do we give ourselves enough time to do the inner work or the inner action of meditation, which is loving, just loving God, allowing God to love us, loving ourselves, loving all of creation, just loving is all that it's about. And in that, we create the space, we open the door by now which we can ascend and have that greater ascension into that true kingdom of spirit. That's the work. That's the action. There's nothing to do out here in the world. You don't have to go clean up the messes out here. You just do the loving and automatically the messes get cleaned up. The trick is just being patient, giving yourself enough time and meditation and enough time day to day, week after week, month after month, yes, year after year, for it all to unfold. It's just the time that it takes. Just like anything in this world, it just takes time. But if you give it the time, you get the result. You get the benefit. You get the reward, if you want to call it that. In truth, it's not a reward, but in a lot of ways it is. Because when you move into that greater freedom and that experience, believe me, it'll seem like a reward. But you didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it. You simply were loving. 
the reward in truth is who you already are. You always have been. And now it's just returning back to that place.